0: Welcome back to Farmland Riches, where we sit down with leading minds in the agricultural investing space to discuss upcoming trends and developments in the industry. In this episode, we're joined by Brandon Silveira of FarmFunder. FarmFunder is a farmer-owned equity crowdfunding platform focused on specialty crop operations in the United States. They offer investors the ability to buy fractional ownership in different farms, which FarmFunder then operates. That means that investors are able to benefit both from appreciation and from the returns on the harvest itself. Now, Brandon is a fourth generation farmer and a real estate investor managing over $100 million in assets. This has given them a ton of experience and know-how both on the investing side of things and the farming side of things to bring this operation together where they are both managing the farms and finding properties to invest in. In this episode, we'll be talking about the impact that actually farming the land has because this is something that sets FarmFunder apart from many of the other platforms out there and how they're able to deliver a much higher cash yield than many of the other farm funding platforms out there. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. All right, Brandon, welcome to the Farmland Riches podcast. How are you doing today?
1: doing very well. How are you?
0: can't complain. Life is good. So for the listeners that aren't familiar with who you are and what you're doing over at Farm Funder, can you give them kind of a quick intro as to what you're currently working on? A quick little elevator pitch.
1: Sure. Uh, so I'm the CEO of Farm Funder, uh, which is a crowdfunding platform for farmland. Um, started the company back in 2015, mostly as a necessity to uh, get investors that were really interested in farmland. Uh, but didn't want to invest the huge amounts of capital that it took to uh, invest in farmland. Um, And then also to uh, provide that capital to farmers that were uh, looking for uh, capital that, you know, to help them grow their farms and whatnot. So um, farming background, born and raised in the farming business, uh, got an agricultural degree uh, in farming, uh, you know, from uh, Cal Poly, pretty pretty good ag school. and I've been engulfed in it uh, pretty much since birth, so uh, that's you know that's how I got into it. And uh, you know, you see how technology is going. Um, and I really wanted to you know get into the fintech space because uh, the need for for capital in farming is is great. So uh, I thought it'd be a good uh, a good idea.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah. Talk to us more about kind of that that personal experience and how you kind of. Uh, came to the realization that farmland was in fact an, an asset class that people could actually invest in because like growing up on a farm I'm sure you're very familiar but like when did it kind of click for you that oh like people can actually invest in farms and in farmland as an actual asset class?
1: Sure so uh, it kind of started out you know when I was younger uh, I wanted to grow grow the farm and I saw a lot of institutional investors coming in with, you know, $50 million uh, uh, buying big pistachio farms, almond farms, developing these farms. Um, And when I went to the bank and I said, well, you know, I'd like to buy the property next door. Of course, the first thing the bank says is, uh, yeah, sure. We want a personal guarantee and we're going to leverage your farm. Right. So if you're a family farmer that, you know, the farm has been in your family for generations, a hundred years, and then you go out and buy this, uh, farmland um, and you do a personal guarantee on your farm you put yourself at risk um, and and, uh, a lot of people didn't want to do that they said Matt you know I wish that we had a uh, an opportunity to have people come in um, you know buy the farm next door with us um, you know as have the farmer be a sponsor and the investors uh, bring in the capital the farmer gets to uh, increase his operation and the size of his operation and the investor gets to invest in a piece of farmland without having to put up $5 million, right? Um, so the farmer already has his tractors, the farmer already has the know-how and knows that the, 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 the ground is good. And the investor gets to come in for, you know, just a fraction of the cost as you pull these investors together. Um, and, and, you know, it's a win-win situation. So. As I was growing and, and, and uh, you know, even when the Jobs Act passed in 2012, I just knew, I said, I, I have to do this. this, this is such an opportunity in farmland. And I actually waited for, you know, a couple years and I, I was following commercial uh, crowdfunding spaces and I just was like any day I'm like oh someone's going to do this in, in farming, someone's going to do this in farming and they didn't and I said okay that's it I, I have to, I have to get started I have to get this done so.
0: That was the journey. (laughs) So what did that, what did those initial steps look like? Once you kind of were like, I have to be the one to do this. Where did you start? Cause I mean, going from, from being a farmer to like bridging into FinTech, I'm sure was quite a learning experience. So how did you even begin to start that process?
1: Uh, Slow and steady. (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, you, I know farming, I know finance, I know purchasing, selling properties, you know, all of the above. Um, but you're right. When I got into the fintech space, it was time to learn about the Security Exchange Commission. It's time to learn about the rules, what you can and you can't do, how to structure offerings. Um, you know, uh, just getting investors in general to come on the platform um, and invest, I mean, has been uh, a learning experience, you know, because now we're talking about marketing, uh, SEO, um, you know, getting on the your page ranking and all this other stuff. So it, it, in all honesty, that's I guess would be the most stressful part of the whole situation, but for me, it's been the funnest because I've learned uh, something new just about the internet that I think I would have never learned in my life. Right? I, I would have kept farming and doing my thing, but now, now when I see a, a a page ranking or something that I'm searching for and a Google ad pop up, and and I'm like, okay, and I get what's going on here. I, I see why this uh, popped up and why this didn't pop up. You know, it's 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 been pretty cool, but. Mostly it's just, uh, you know, a lot of reading and a lot of uh, trial, uh, you know, trial and error. And, and that's how we got to where we're at.
0: Sure. That's that's how most people, so most people tend to do it. Now, I'm curious, you, you mentioned kind of. Uh, high level kind of what FarmFunder actually does, but let's dive a little bit deeper into like how the platform actually works and like what you're actually like providing to both investors and farmers. So can you dive a little bit deeper kind of under the hood as to like what's actually going on here?
1: Sure. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use our current offering as, a, uh, as an example. Uh, we have a pistachio offering that we are uh, developing a pistachio orchard. So we're buying the property, It's open land. We're planting pistachio trees. Um, The investors own a portion of an LLC. So the property is put into an LLC. Um, We plant the pistachio orchard. We're putting in the uh, drip system uh, for the irrigation system. Uh, We're putting in the trees uh, and we're farming it for the next five years until we exit um, that, that particular orchard. So our plan on this, on this offering is to sell the orchard as a fully producing uh, a pistachio orchard. Uh, that is, you know the demand is extremely high right now for pistachio orchards. So uh, we're coming in and developing something that we 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 already know we have buyers for, and it gets the uh, investor involved in uh, the pistachio orchard, which is fun. It gets them out in five years, which is a relatively short hold period for farmland. Um, so that, that's cool. We wanted to structure it a little bit shorter. Our, our last offering was 10 years, uh, which is pretty common, but we wanted to try the shorter hold period to see uh, how investors liked a little bit shorter hold period. Um, um, I recommend, you know, obviously the longer hold period, the better when it comes to agriculture. But uh, so that, that's, that's kind of how this deal is structured. Um, it's an LLC, everyone buys into the LLC. And then what makes us a little bit different is we are farmers. So we are gonna farm this property for the investors. We're gonna develop the orchard for the investors. So we don't have to um, find a farmer to, to farm it for the investors, which I think gives us a uh, you know a little bit of an edge because uh, we're just super familiar. We're familiar with the property. We're familiar with the soil types. We're familiar with the water districts, uh, uh, the irrigation and whatnot. And, that allows us uh, t- to really know what's going on with this orchard and know that it's going to be uh, put together and developed properly, um, you know. So it's, I think that's one of our, uh, you know, our cool things is that we actually are farmers.
0: Sure, and is that kind of your typical process? You go from just like raw land to to putting in the the, the crops and the, the irrigation systems and everything like that? Or do you guys sometimes buy, uh, farms that are already kind of running,
1: uh, both. So uh, we will we will buy existing orchards. Our uh, our offering that we had before this was an almond orchard already existing. Uh, so you know we farm uh, uh, we farm the almonds for the investors, um, and we get the uh, sell the crop for the investors, and what's left over uh, the profit is distributed back to the investors. Matter of fact, we just had a distribution uh last month uh for our uh, our almond orchard uh which is great uh, almond prices fell a little bit so uh there's been a lot of uh, uh negative press in the almond in, in the almond business but uh, uh we were able to uh make a profit i think when a lot of other uh farms out there were not and i, and I you know back to it i think that's because we're so hands on with the farm and we know but the prices are doing early and we can farm that, that crop accordingly uh, to make sure that we're not overextended. And it, it's, it's pretty cool. So it worked out really well.
0: Yeah. I would imagine having those kind of like boots on the ground, both like figurative and literal is like really beneficial to you guys. Cause you were a lot more kind of plugged into to what's actually going on and, and you can stay a lot more up to date on that kind of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been, been fun.
0: So, how do you how do you decide what uh, commodities or kind of what kind of farms to to start when you're going into a, a new project or a new development? Like, how how are you kind of prioritizing what to do and where?
1: So, you know, mostly it's return on investment. Uh, you know, we're looking at stuff that we feel is going to be uh, high demand for a long period of time. Um, I'm trying to, you know, we 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 love that higher return, uh, which anybody does. Uh, obviously, but there's a, there's a lot of uh, lease back situations that people will get into where you buy the property, you do a structured lease back, that structured lease back will be at two to 3%, say. So you get this uh, two, 2.5% two cash yield back every year. Um, and that's by leasing it to another farmer. And then you realize the appreciation over a seven or 10 year period. Um, that's not really where we're at. Um, We're taking on a little bit more risk, but we're farming the property um, and we're capturing that return on investment that a farmer would have by farming it um, if they were to lease it. And we're giving that whole entire return on investment back to investors. Uh, So, you know, we're trying to structure things in the uh, six to 8% cash uh, uh, yield every year. Um, and, and and get up to ten to twelve percent uh, total return on investment after we exit the property. So that's really what I'm looking for. Um, and there's there's a lot of other things that I look at. Uh, you know, is the is the commodity uh, um, a perishable commodity? Right, uh, perishable commodity. The markets tend to fluctuate quite uh, quite rapidly. Right, so you could start harvesting. Um, a, a crop uh, that has a high price and, and, and two weeks later the price goes down. There's all kinds of things that can happen in, in the perishable world. So we also like uh, nut crops because we can hold on to those all year long and sell them all year long. Um, and it gives us uh, time to uh, try and figure out what the market's going to do. So big fan of those those types of things.
0: Sure. So you mentioned you mentioned some risks, um, and so I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into what some of those risks are when you're not leasing it out to a farmer, but you're actually farming the land yourself. So can you dive kind of a little bit deeper into what that actually means, um, kind of for investors, for farm funder, that you guys are actually the ones kind of operating on the land? Sure.
1: So uh, you know, if if, if a, a typical investment with a lease back, the farmer will give the um, landowner for easy numbers, say $100 an acre. Uh, and then the farmer takes 100% of the risk. So they go out and farm the crops. If the farmer loses money, that's his fault. Uh, maybe he won't lease it again. But uh, if if, uh, if they make money, whatever that spread is on top of it, uh, the farmer gets to make that money. So uh, where we have a little bit more risk is that we're actually farming it. So we're not collecting rent, uh, but we are, collecting that profit that a farmer would make. Um, And it's riskier because you could have a crop failure. Um, You could have, um, the market could go down. Uh, There's a variety of different things that could happen, but we also uh, try to mitigate that risk by buying crop insurance. Uh, We fully insure all of our crops uh, to make sure that our input costs are covered. So we're usually at a break-even standpoint with our crop insurance that way, Um, if if, uh, hail or or any kind of weather comes through or there's a uh, bug pressure that comes through that's just completely out of the ordinary. I mean, these things happen in farming. Um, You know, we ensure for that to make sure that all of our input costs are covered and, you know, there's not a a huge loss on that. Um, And it it works out really well. So, I mean, I've been farming my entire life and, 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 you know, I've had very few, complete losses, uh, if any, actually. But uh, so that's, that's kind of how the risks work and, and how we work.
0: Sure. Now, I guess bouncing off of that, what is the kind of associated cost since you guys are in fact farming the land? How does that kind of play out in terms of how these deals are actually structured? And how are you guys kind of getting compensated for that? So
1: we do charge a management fee, um, which is quite minimal. Uh, We charge $18 an acre um, per month, uh, and that's just to make the management decisions and make sure that the, uh, the water is being um, put on when it's supposed to, fertilizer is being put on when it's supposed to. It's being pruned correctly, um, uh, harvested at the right time, and the almonds are sold at the right time. Um, so, you know, that's... That's that's our our only fee that we charge. Everything else is just passed through. Whatever it costs to farm the orchard, and we pass pass straight through to the investor. With we don't do any markups or anything of the sort. Uh, so, not 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 too bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, transparent is is at least in my view always better. Just so that people know what they're paying for and how much they're paying for it.
1: Mm-hmm. And we we structure that uh, for the same exact uh, price that competitors are out there uh other farm management companies so you know we always want to be in the position that if if uh if there is a farm that we really like and is a good deal that's outside of our geographical area the fees are the same we can hire another farm manager or hire another farmer to farm that particular piece of property um, and and make sure that those fees are online
0: sure now, I'm curious as well to learn a little bit more about kind of FarmFunder as, as a company. So at this point in time, how large is FarmFunder in terms of uh, either employees or number of deals or just kind of however you guys measure like growth as a company?
1: Sure, so uh, uh, this is our second deal that we're working on right now. Uh, we're working on our uh, third, our, our uh, let's see, the pistachio orchard, I believe is just about 90% uh, complete. I imagine in the next 30 days or even, 15 days, we'll probably be uh, closing the pistachio offering. Uh, we're working on our third offering right now, um, which looks like it's going to be uh, a mixture of pistachio, almonds. Uh, we're going to do a, a cash yield, already existing uh, trees. Um, so a little a little slow going. And I think that's uh, for, for a couple of reasons. One, we don't have any venture capital uh, money, and we're not we're not funded by any other company. So we're privately funded. Um, uh, so we, we have decided to do that, um, mostly because I didn't want to have to put deals on the platform to, to give a, a venture capital their return on investment. Right. I didn't want to have to have growth. Uh, we want to put good deals on the platform. Um, that are safe and, and that are good, uh, good returns for our investors. And if there's not a good deal out there, we don't want to be forced to put something on there. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, maybe that's just old school or or, or not, I don't know, but that's just kind of my thought process is we, when we come across a good deal, uh, we're going to put on the platform. If we don't, we're going to say, Hey, everybody, we're looking, you know, we'll let you know when we find something. And, and, uh, I hope, I hope our investors appreciate that. And I think they do.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And and I imagine that builds a lot of trust with investors as well, because whenever they see a new deal being posted, they know that a significant amount of due diligence and, and just kind of looking over went 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 into this deal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So what does, what does that due diligence process look like for you guys? What is, what does it look like from, from seeing a potential opportunity to actually like vetting it through to even potentially listing it on a platform?
1: Well, uh, it all depends on the crop. Uh, It it depends on the geographical area, but mostly, you know, we're looking at number one, water. Um, uh, Well, number one, purchase price, right? I mean, you want to know what your return on investment is going to be. So if we think that it's going to have the potential to be a good investment, uh, we're looking at the purchase price, then we're looking at water. Uh, We want to make sure that there's enough water in the future to irrigate this crop, uh, even in drought situations, uh, you know California, especially, is notorious for their uh, wet year, dry years, um, and so we want to make sure we're in a good water district that we can irrigate uh, um, in the dry years, and then we have good uh, groundwater to irrigate uh, in the dry years. Uh, so th- those those two are very important. Uh, we look at soil type and we look at the uh, cropping options. So. Um, If they're almonds, we want a little bit better soil. If they're pistachios, um, we can have a, uh, we can have a variety of different soils. Um, If they're walnuts, they have to be a really good soil, things of that sort. You know, what what does the soil um, look like uh, and what are the possible cropping patterns and resale value of this type of soil and farm. Um, So, all of those things we want to look at, we, you know, we look at comps to see what other farms you're selling for around our area and who might potentially be a buyer uh, in 10 years. I mean, I think that's that's super important. You can find a really good deal um, with with good water or something like that, that might be 10 acres or 20 acres that you think that, you know, might be good. But are there other farmers that are going to want that particular piece of property in that area? Um, so like we, we've done a 20 acre deal before, we're surrounded on all four sides of us of almonds and I've already had the neighbors call up and say, hey, we'd love to buy your orchard, you know? So we look at who might be a potential buyer, but it's, it's quite of a, a, you know, extensive list as well as a uh, uh, crop, uh, history of crop yield. So we wanna know what they've been producing, if they have been producing and, and what has our neighbors been producing? Is that neighboring uh, soil that butts up to ours? Is their crop look good? And that's another uh, cool thing about being on the ground because you know I can go and look at a piece of property during harvest season, and without even asking the neighbors, I can I can I can see that the neighbors uh, pulled X amount of trailers out of their pistachio orchard, and I say, okay, well I know with that many uh, trailers, he's going to get about 3,000 pounds, right? So I can say, okay, I think that this particular soil ta- type, since it's exactly like the other soil type we should be able to do this if we plant this variety in this soil with this water. So um, another little edge, I think we have on, on uh, being the farmer. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious as well. What's kind of the vision for farm funder over the next like five, 10 years. I know at this point, like you mentioned, you're going pretty slow and very intentional with the projects that you take on, but like what's, what are you guys kind of working towards? Like what's the broader vision here?
1: So uh, two things we've we've really been doing a lot with the uh, farm finder program, which is uh, um, basically if you you're a high net worth individual and you have a 1031 exchange or you have a large amount of money and you want more control over the farm, um, you know we'll come out and we'll do the due diligence, we'll find the farm for you, and uh, we will farm it uh, and uh, you know make sure that you buy buy a, a, a good you know, long lasting farm. These are usually uh, people that want to uh, stay in it for 20, 30 years, passing on to their children. Um, matter of fact, I've, I spent uh, all last week up north looking at some properties for uh, a big group of uh, doctors that are looking at pistachios and uh, almonds. So, uh, you know, we, we've been focusing a lot on that. There's a lot of uh, good opportunity. Uh, but the second part of that is we're opening our platform up to other farmers. Uh, started in 2022. Uh, that way we can, you know, we can start offering uh, just options for people. Um, one thing that, you know, I think hits close to home for myself is if you're in a situation where you have a generational farm and say you are a, uh, uh, you know, say you're farming the, the, the land and your brother and sister live in the city and then you have an inheritance tax type situation um, where the farm has to be sold off to pay the inheritance tax. And then everybody wants their pieces. Then you have this, you know, say thousand acre farm that gets split up into um, sold off. And then you have 200 acres left. You know, we want to open our platform up to farmers. So we can say, hey, listen, we have this investor base and, and these investors will come in buy the farm they get their return on investment, which they're happy with, and you get to still have your farm put together. You know, These are just things that I think are gonna be super important. Um, as you know, we're estimating 60, 70% of farmland changing hands in the next you know, 15, 20 years, there's gonna be you know, huge tax burdens and, and things where farmers are gonna need options to stay on their farm. So that's, that's another thing we're working on. So I, I see that as a big part in our future.
0: Yeah, well that's a super unique offering that I, I don't see a lot of other farm platforms doing and I suspect that's because they're just not as kind of plugged into to what's actually going on in like the day-to-day lives of farmers. So that seems like a really valuable piece for for like you said those those intergenerational farmers that don't want to have their kind of land split up.
1: Mhm. Yeah. It's it I mean, it's not it, farming is is funny because you know from the farming side of it, it's unlike any other asset, right? I mean, it's heartbreaking to have to sell a piece of your farm that you've grown up on and your dad grew up on and your grandpa grew up on. And we're at that point to where farm values have came up so high that the tax rates uh, can be so high that it's inevitable that you have to sell. So, you know, hopefully that, you know, it it works out to where we get uh, enough of an investor pool to really help save some of these family farms.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, so you mentioned farmland being kind of a unique asset class, and I think that's definitely a very true statement. Can you kind of uh, give some some kind of uh, kind of baseline or kind of foundational uh, information to, to someone who's maybe interested in getting involved in farmland? They've never invested in farmland before. What are some of those foundational things that that these people should know before kind of getting into the asset class?
1: Um, you know, I think the I think the biggest thing is is we're we're taking farmland out of production you know, here, here in the United States and, and, and around the world. So when you take things out of production, but yet your population and demand for, for these products are growing, it's an inevitable, uh, there's an inevitable return on investment or a breaking point where it's like, okay, um, we can't keep up with growing our yields fast enough for the demand and the amount of uh, uh, property that we're taking out due to urban sprawl and things of that sort. Um, So, you know, that alone is is such a unique uh, thing. So, you know, in in the housing market or apartments or anything like that, I mean, that's usually what is taking farmland out right during this this urban sprawl. So because we, you know, I I can't foresee any time in the future that we're going to start knocking down apartment complexes and strip malls um, to start farming again. right? uh, I think the demand is only going to grow. I think the return on investment is only going to grow. Um, and you're also producing a an actual tangible product, which is great. Um, it's great for inflation inflationary reasons. Um, if, ever, if ever a weak dollar or things of that sort since we' we're, we're, we're producing on a global scale, um, other countries come in and buy um, our product and, and love our product where the United States is still you know, number one, as far as our quality. So uh, we have a great reputation when it comes to uh, worldwide uh, production. Um, So, you know, those things are, it's like a a trifecta, right? Of just uh, uh, good possibilities to make a good investment.
0: Totally. Now, when it comes to kind of that future of farmland and, and farmland investing what are some of the things that you are personally kind of excited about or kind of upcoming trends or developments that you see in the kind of industry
1: um as a farmer from the farmer side of it i'm, I'm super stoked about robotics and autonomous vehicles um we already have autonomous uh, sprayers uh here in the area a local farmer uh, developed a really neat autonomous uh, uh vehicle uh we've got uh I've been going out to some test sites, checking out some uh, uh, conversion kits that you can actually put on your tractor and and uh, you know uh, put through your orchard. It's all by radar, which is super cool because you don't need the GPS signal if you're in a tree canopy like pistachios or almonds. So the you know it, it goes off the radar from uh, the trees alongside. Um, those are all super cool. You know the robotic side of things, um, as you know, labor is extremely expensive um but labor is is good because you know you can feel you know especially in a a fresh market and uh, perishable crops you know you have to feel the that fruit and and the technology is coming so far that we're able to you know we have robotic strawberry pickers right now that are you know that are coming out so i i i think that is going to the, the first people to adopt that type of technology and really implement it on their ranch are going to see, um, you know, big profit margins, uh, b- because of it. So I'm super stoked about all that.
0: Yeah. That's very exciting. Well, uh, Brandon, if people want to follow up with you and learn more about kind of farm funder and, and the deals that you're working on and all that good stuff, where's the best place for us to send them?
1: Um, give us a, a email at, uh, info at farmfunder.com And that's a uh, F A R M F U N D R.com. Um, uh, they can, uh, reach out to us anytime and, uh, check out our website and look around.
0: Awesome. Anytime. And I'll be sure to include that in the show notes for the listeners as well. Uh, Brandon, any final kind of closing thoughts or words of wisdom that you want to leave the listeners with here today? Just,
1: uh, Be happy with the farmer. We're all working hard.
0: There we go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brandon. I really appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.